Why don't we get our Bibles out this morning? We're going to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, if you were here last week, you know that that's exactly where we were last Sunday. But I read a verse in the scripture, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that says, For in the gospel, God's righteousness is being revealed from faith to faith. So that's how we're going to launch into this year. We're going to exit 2017 from faith. And we're going to jump into 2018 by faith. Amen? That was kind of weak. Don't worry, I'll give you another shot later. <laughs> Romans chapter 11 communicates something to us that I think can help all of us today. It communicates a pattern of faith. That's what I want to speak to you about, a pattern of faith. I don't know if you've made any re resolutions this year. <clears throat> if there's anything that you're striving to do, to get better at, to overcome, to stop doing, wanting to um, get out of debt or lose weight or get healthy. But if you've ever tried to create a new normal in your life, how many of you know it helps to have a plan? It, you need a plan. So what I want to give you today is the plan for faith. This is the pattern for faith in Hebrews 11. <clears throat> now it begins with verse 1, and I, I want to just jump in right there. We read this verse last week, but I want to read it to you again. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, <clears throat> and it's assurance about what we do not see. That's where faith begins. And then the next verse says this is what the ancients were commended for. So what I want to do today is I want to look at some of those ancients. I want to look at five of them. And I believe the first five names that are mentioned here in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 4, are going to create for us a pattern of faith. And if you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to write these down. The first step is worship. Number one, worship. Can I just say to you today that worship is where faith begins. And the example that we have here is in the life of Abel. He exemplified faith through his worship. <clears throat> now here's what I've noticed. Most people that talk about faith talk about what God can do for them. Most people that talk about faith are talking about an issue that they're trusting God for, that they're believing for God. If I can just have enough faith, God might do this in my life. But can I tell you that faith doesn't begin with me. Faith doesn't begin with what God can do for me. Faith is not me-centered at its inception. Faith begins with the worship and the glory of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. In Genesis chapter 4, we get the story of Abel and his brother Cain. They were the sons of Adam and Eve. <clears throat> and here's what the Bible says about their offering of worship to God. Genesis 4 verse 3 through 5. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the, some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked down with favor on Abel's offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Why would God 
be favorable towards Abel's offering and not look with favor upon Cain's offering. Well, the Old Testament is, is the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And what I mean by that is when we study the New Testament, we get clarity on some of the murky issues of the Old Testament. But let me clarify this for you. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 9, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Now, Cain and Abel didn't need the New Testament writers to explain that to them. They understood it because their own parents, Adam and Eve, had taught it to them. You remember the story of when Adam and Eve had committed sin, and the Bible says suddenly they were aware of their nakedness and they were ashamed. And because of their sin, their punishment was that they were cast out of God's presence and out of the Garden of Eden. But there's a, a moment of grace in the story before they leave the garden. The Bible says in Genesis 3 that God clothed them with skins from an animal. He covered them. Now, how many of you know if you're going to make a garment out of the skin of an animal, that animal has to die? And so we see a beautiful picture of a blood sacrifice right here in the first few pages of the Bible. God sacrificed an animal to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. And it was a foreshadowing of the, the way that the relationship with man was going to work now that sin had entered our story. God was establishing that the way that you can have a relationship with me now is through sacrifice. There has to be an atonement. And Cain and Abel grew up knowing that. They grew up understanding that the way to approach God is with a blood sacrifice. And so in this moment of worship, what we see is that Cain came bringing the fruits of the ground. In other words, he came saying, God, I want to worship you, but I want to do it my way. You know, there's a lot of people that are just like that. They want to worship God, but they want to do it their way. I'll come to church when it's convenient. I'll give of my finances when I feel like it. I'll, I'll serve when, it, you know, it, when I desire to or when it seems like something I'm interested in. <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll pray when I have an emergency or a crisis. But that's, that's not where faith begins. Where faith begins is the pattern that Abel established for us. Faith begins with worship. <clears throat> and I want to tell you, the worship that honors God is worship that follows God's instruction. Not a kind of worship that just says, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to ask God to bless my thing. I'm going to ask God's favor on what I'm doing. Worship that honors God is submitted to God's instruction. Faith begins for us when you surrender your heart and your life to the sovereignty of God. See, genuine worship... It begins with an acknowledgement that he's the sovereign ruler and authority over your life. What else could you do? Like Peter said, God, where else could we go? You have the words of life. When we come to God in that place, we take that posture of surrender. And we say, God, who am I? You're God. You're, you're Lord. You're in control. I worship you for who you are. Not because of what you can do for me. That's where faith begins. It begins with a heart of worship. So that's why we have this first and beautiful example of faith. Not a faith that says, God, what can you do for me? But a faith that says, God, what can I do for you? 
The Bible communicates to us in Romans chapter 12 that this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. Look at this verse with me on the screen. It says, Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So the way we come to God is in the new covenant. It's not through an animal sacrifice. But we come laying our very lives on the altar and saying, God, I know there's nothing that I have that, that you desire or that's worthy of you. But God, my heart, my life, I lay it down as a sacrifice and I give it to you. That is where faith begins. And let me tell you the, the second step in this pattern of faith. It starts with worship, but then it becomes a walk. A walk. And the example that demonstrates that for us is found in Hebrews 11, verse 5. And this is what it says. By faith, Enoch. He was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. <clears throat> now I went back to Genesis chapter 5 and, and I read the story of Enoch. It's only about two verses long. But I'm going to tell you what I didn't find. When you read Enoch's story, you don't hear stories of great exploits that he did by faith. You don't hear stories of incredible prayers that he prayed where God came through in the 11th hour and, and met his need. No, we don't see any exercise of Enoch's faith. All we hear about him is found in Genesis 5, 24. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. That's all we know about him. He walked with God. But it tells us something. It teaches us in this pattern of faith that your faith should be louder than your lips. That though it may begin with acknowledging God for who He is, and it may start from a posture of worship, you have to get up off of your knees and begin to walk by faith. Enoch walked with God. <coughs> His life was about more than what he said. You know, the Bible communicates in the book of James very pointedly this, this thought of faith having action with it. James writes in chapter 2 and verse 14 of his letter, he said, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? <coughs> and the answer to that question is an emphatic no. What James is saying is if, if you have a relationship with God, or you propose to have a relationship with God, that Jesus would send His Son to die for you, to impute His righteousness on your behalf, that His Spirit now lives on the inside of you, that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, that you now have eternal life, and you can't point to one action in your life that's different than it was before you came to faith? James would say, and I would agree, you didn't find gospel faith. 
You didn't have a genuine encounter with God. That's what he's saying in this moment. Faith means walking with God. Not just worshiping Him. It means walking with Him. Now worship, worship, I love worship, but worship can be private. You can worship all by yourself, but walking is public. Walking is when your faith begins to influence other people. You can decide in your heart to be a worshiper of God, but when you start walking with God, people are going to notice. So let me dig a little deeper here. How do we walk with God? How do we get to that next step of our faith? It's profound, so you might want to write this down. Here's how you walk with God. One step at a time. Same way you walked in here. <laughs> One step at a time. There's so many people that get caught up in the distance of where they think they need to go or what they think they need to do that they haven't stood up and begun to take a step. Can I encourage you to just walk with God? Here's what the Bible says about Enoch. It says he walked with God for 300 years. Now I can promise you there wasn't a day when Enoch woke up and he just said, Today, I've made up my mind. I'm going to walk with God for 300 years. <laughs> that never happened. No, the way you walk with God for 300 years or for 30 years or for 10 years or for a week, or how about today, is by taking the next step to make a decision today when I have the opportunity to go the way of the world or to go the way of the cross to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to walk with God on this one. When I have the opportunity to give in to temptation, I have the choice to walk in that direction of my own sinful desires or to crucify my sinful nature and go towards the, word, the way of the Spirit, I'm going to walk with God in this moment. You make a decision every day, in every moment, to take another step. That's what it means to walk with God, to just take another step. It begins with worship, the acknowledgement that He is God. The Bible says one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God. But can I tell you, it's not going to take faith on that day to worship God. You will have no choice. And I can't help but think even the devil has knees. Every knee will bow on that day. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But we have an opportunity to operate in faith. And faith begins when we worship God. And faith moves into walking in His ways. That's discipleship. That's daily abiding in Christ. You know, the Bible doesn't say that God walked with Enoch. There's a lot of people that want that version of Christianity. Oh yeah, I love the Lord. I love worship. I like going to church. I like my Christian t-shirts. I want God to go everywhere with me. No, that's not the deal. No, faith is exercised when we walk with God. It's not saying, God, follow my plans and put your blessing on it. It's saying, God, I surrender my life to your leading. And I'll follow you where you'll lead me. And if we can get to that place, I believe you can get to the next step in this pattern of faith. Number three is witness. A witness. And our example is in verse 7. It's Noah. <clears throat> it says in Hebrews eleven seven, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping 
with faith. You know what the things were that, that Noah believed in, though he had not seen, seen them? Rain. <laughs> a flood. That's what God had told him. I'm going to send a flood that's going to cover the earth. And Noah, by faith, believed that word that God had spoken. <clears throat> he believed God's promise that the only ones that would survive this flood are those that were in the ark of safety that God wanted Noah to build. So for the next 120 years, Noah became a witness of the word of God. God had spoken and Noah was a witness to that word. And every one of us, I would dare say, even if you've never picked up the Bible and read it for yourself, we've all heard of Noah. We've all heard of his ark. Why? Because he chose to be a witness to a word that God had spoken. Faithfully, he communicated, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's, rain's coming. People say, it's pretty dry. You know we live in a desert, right? No, rain is coming. But Noah didn't just talk about it. Witnessing is more than just talking about it. Noah got up every day and he built. He began to hammer boards together. <clears throat> he began to prepare to see the manifestation of the word that God had spoken to his heart. In other words, he lived with expectation that God's word was true. That's the next step of faith. It's more than just worshiping God or walking with God. It's actually living your life in expectation that what God said would happen is going to happen. Can you imagine the ridicule that he must have faced? People mocked him. They, they persecuted him. They called what he was doing foolishness and, and a waste of time. And, and maybe you've experienced that in your own life, in your relationship with God. Maybe the people you work with or the, the people you go to school with, they, they would... They would mock you or ridicule you that you would have the faith to serve God with your life, to try to be a witness for God. I'm telling you, it's nothing compared to what Noah faced for 120 years. You know what we don't read about Noah? We don't read about any converts. We don't read about anybody answering his altar call and saying, you know what, I believe the word that you said God said. But in spite of what would be called failure in our day and age. In spite of what anyone else thought. Noah was a witness. See, walking by faith means finding your value in God's estimation of you and not anyone else's. So, he was a witness. Can I remind you that God has spoken a word to us as well? In fact, Jesus used this scenario in Noah's life to communicate the urgency of the message that we're to be a witness about. It's in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said these words, as it is, or as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days of the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the very day that Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away and then Jesus said these sobering words that is how it will be at the coming of the son of man can I declare to you today on this first Sunday of 2018 Jesus is coming he's coming again now you say, oh yeah, I've heard preachers say that before. Well, that's what they said to Noah. 
You know what? My, my parents' church used to say that. My granddad used to say that. My great-grandparents. You know, the church has been saying that for 2,000 years. But Jesus is coming. He's coming. And you and I are called to be a faithful witness to the word that God has spoken. To stand up in the face of a culture that would write us off and say it's fairy tales, it's fables, it's scare tactics. We say what God said. That Jesus is coming again for his bride, the church. And can I tell you, to be a witness is not to stand on a corner and shake your finger at people and tell them what's wrong with them. It's not to jump on social media and talk about all the issues and all the commandments of God that people are breaking. We need to be a witness like Noah. You know what Noah spent his time doing? He spent his time building something. Not tearing things apart. Not ridiculing or shaming the culture. He spent every day building an ark of safety. He knew the day of deliverance was coming. He knew that judgment was coming. He knew that a flood was coming. And he also knew that only those in the ark were going to be rescued. You know what the ark of safety is in our day? There's only one thing that's getting out of this world and surviving the judgment of God. And that's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the church. You ought to be busy building an ark. You ought to be busy building the church. Not being known for what we're against, but exalting Jesus in the work that he's doing. That's what it means to be a witness. That's what it means to walk by faith. The disciples asked Jesus one time a question that maybe you've thought of before. and I'm sure Noah thought of a dozen times. The question was, when's your judgment finally going to come? When are we going to see the fulfillment of the promise that we've longed for? And Jesus gave them this answer in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. And I want to give it to you because it applies in our day. Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God's called us to not just worship him as Savior and Lord, to not just walk with him in a personal relationship of discipleship, but to be absolutely full of his spirit and to live in our generation as witnesses. He's coming again. God's called us to be his witnesses. Let me give you the fourth step in this pattern of faith. It's work. How many of you have served God long enough that you could say amen? It's work. It's work. And our example is the father of our faith. <coughs> it's Abraham. Verse 8 in chapter 11 of Hebrews says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance... He obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Now, I think this is fascinating when I read Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame. And what we learn about Abraham is that he obeyed and he went. You know, it's interesting to me because we have more information about Abraham's life of faith than almost anybody else in Scripture. 
When you go back to Genesis and you read the account of when God first called him and gave him a promise and he began to walk by faith, the story spans 25 years with episode after episode of having to walk by faith. And yet when we get to Hebrews 11, his entire story is boiled down to this. By faith, Abraham obeyed and he went. He obeyed. And he went. I'm going to tell you what Abraham learned from the first step of obedience. That walking by faith is work. Because the first thing God called, called him to do was to pack up and leave the land he lived in. And to go to a place that he would show him. In other words, he hadn't told him yet where he was going. I just want you to, to just go. And as Abraham walked in faith, he learned that the place God was leading him was Canaan. So from Hanan to Canaan, he had to walk over 500 miles. How many of you think that would be work? <clears throat> but Abraham obeyed the Lord and he walked by faith. Have you ever started to do something for God and, and you, you were excited about it and then all of a sudden once you started you realized this is a lot more work than I thought it was going to be? I mean, you, <laughs> you can be honest. <laughs> <clears throat> Yesterday we had our volunteer appreciation party and, and it was a great chance to just celebrate everybody that's serving in the church. But I can, I can tell you, I know for a fact, we got some folks serving in this church that are not nearly as excited about it today as they were when we started preaching about Better Together last year. And we started talking about signing up and serving in a ministry and we're going to two services and we've got room for you and we need you. Boy, everybody was like, hoorah, excited about serving. But I'll be honest with you, there were some folks, if they told the truth, they'd say, this is a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I'm, I'm still doing it, but come on. This is tough. This is a commitment. This is a sacrifice. Sometimes we don't have the same enthusiasm we had at the beginning because we realize this is work. And I'm going to tell you today, God has a work for you to do. Just the same way he called Abraham, he's calling you. And I want you to know that your work is an expression of your faith. What you do is an expression of your faith. He called you to salvation, to worship Him as God. He called you to discipleship, to walk with Him in a relationship. <clears throat> he calls you to be a witness, to evangelize the lost and tell people about Jesus, but He calls you to more than that. And this next step in the pattern of faith is that we work. See, here's the promise that God had given Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And all people will be blessed through you. In the same sense, God has blessed you. He's blessed you. He, he's given you gifts. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's given you resources. He's given you ideas. Why? Not so that you can just enjoy those things but so that you can put your hands to the plow, so that you can work, so that you can use the gift of God in your life to be an influence in the lives of others. God didn't just save you to call you to heaven. He saved you for service. He's got something that He wants you to do. <clears throat> I want to tell you today, if you'll understand, and some of you, this is the step you need to move into in your faith. 
If you'll understand that your work is an expression of your faith, it'll change your outlook. It will absolutely change your outlook. See, we have this convoluted perception of work that work is a curse. People look at the story in Genesis of where because of sin, God says to Adam that now you'll, you'll till the soil with the sweat of your brow. And people say, see, that's part of the curse. He has to do hard work now because of sin. But I want to tell you, before sin entered the story, God gave a command to Adam and Eve. He said to be fruitful and to increase and to subdue the earth. In other words, go do work. I've put all this under your authority. Go do work. Work is not a punishment. Work is a blessing. Work is a part of your calling. Work is an expression of your faith. You see, the Bible says it like this in the New Testament. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul is writing to people that are, that are bound as slaves and servants. They have to work. They don't get a choice of who they work for. They have to work. And he gives them incredible instructions about how we should look at work. But I think it applies to us because, come on, let's be honest. How many of you felt like your job's a slave master sometimes? Some of you felt like, you know, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. The bill's got to get paid. Mouth's got to get fed. Maybe you felt like a slave before to your boss. Here's what Paul says we are to do. <coughs> Hebrews 3.23. Whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever your occupation, whatever your assignment, whatever your station, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord. Not for human masters. <clears throat> now boy, that's different. When you come in on a Monday morning and you're dragging your feet, and your head's hanging low, and you've bought into this narrative of, the, uh, narrative of the world that Mondays are terrible and miserable, and you go, oh, uh, you know, you feel like your, your faith was on the mountain on Sunday, but oh, now it's Monday. What happened in that moment? We stopped living by faith, we stopped worshiping, we stopped walking with God, we stopped witnessing. No, your work is a part of your faith. When you walk into that office, you walk into it with the understanding that I'm not working for that man or for that woman. I'm working as unto the Lord. This job is designed to bring glory to God through my life. Whether you're writing code or picking up trash, it doesn't matter. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. You might be wiping snotty noses. You might be performing surgery. But this job is unto the Lord. Because my work is connected to my faith. And it changes your perspective. And if it'll change your perspective, I promise you it'll change other people's too. They're going to look at the job you do. And the dignity that you do it with. And the honor that you carry into your assignment. They're going to say, what is different about that? That is an expression of my relationship with God. That is faith that becomes influential in a culture. Because people don't compartmentalize their relationship with God from their relationship to the world. No, everything I do. Everything I do. I do as unto the Lord. Let me give you the fifth and final Step in this pattern of faith. It's wait. 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 And the example for us is the next ancient that we read about in verse 11 of Hebrews 11. It says, and by faith even Sarah. 
who was past childbearing age, wasn't able to bear a child because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Now, I know nobody wants to hear this today. I don't even want to say it, but it's true. Waiting is a part of the pattern of faith. How many of you could testify? Waiting is a part of the pattern of faith. I wish it wasn't, but it is. <coughs> There's times where you're going to have to just wait while you hold on to faith, believe, and not doubt. You just have to wait for God <coughs> to come through. And maybe there's some of you here today, that's where you're at. You're just waiting. You're trying to walk by faith, but it's just been a long time. You've been praying about the same thing for a long time. And you might even be here today and you feel exactly the same way that Sarah felt. See, Sarah was the wife of Abraham. She heard the same promise that Abraham heard, that you're going to be the father of many nations. But the way that Sarah felt was this. It was out of her control. What can a woman do about barrenness? And in this day, and in the culture in which she lived, if a woman was going to have significance at all, it was going to be because of her ability to carry on the family line. I mean, and, and honestly, she needed to be able to have a boy, right? I mean, that's all the stories in the Bible. They wanted a boy. And here's Sarah. She heard the promise from God that her husband would be the father of many nations, and yet she can't give him one son. And Sarah is now an old woman. She's in her 70s when she receives the promise that she's going to have a son. Now, it's hard enough to believe the promise that you're going to have a child, but in your 70s, I mean, come on. That's a whole other level of faith. And if that was not hard enough, the Bible says that it was 25 years from the time she received that promise before she actually got pregnant with Isaac. 25 years <coughs> before the promise was fulfilled. So the question is, how in the world did she do it? How did Sarah become the model for us of waiting on God and believing the promise regardless of how insanely impossible the circumstances that she faced were? I'm going to tell you how she did it. I'm going to tell you how you need to do it today. There was two things that Sarah understood in the waiting. The first is the promise of faith. She understood the promise of faith. God had said something. And she believed it. That's not complicated, but that's what it means to understand the promise of faith. God had said it, and she believed it. God had said, you're going to father a child. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Your descendants are going to outnumber the sand on the seashore. She believed the promise. I'm going to tell you, every one of us can have that kind of faith. All you got to do is open up your Bible and find a promise for whatever you're waiting for. Did you know the Bible has over 7,000 promises? Just find one and claim it and hold on to it and believe it that it'll be yours. Yeah, I thought of it like this this week. You know, it's a new year and for a lot of us, that means you had to get a new insurance policy. The old one's gone. Now you got a new one. Imagine if you needed surgery 
You were sick in your body and you needed surgery. But you were overwhelmed at the expense of the procedure. And you were just afraid to even go and talk to the doctor about it because you know how expensive this procedure is. But what if you never actually read your insurance policy to discover that it's covered? That you can have the procedure and it's covered in the policy. You're not even going to have to pay for it because you have a policy that covers it. Can I tell you, that's the way a lot of people are when it comes to faith. They've never actually read the policy. They've never read the promises in God's word. And here they are fretting and worrying and anxious about something that they wish that they could get from God. But they just don't think they can afford to. And God's saying, hey, it's covered. It's in the policy. So what you need to do is you need to, you need to open up the promises of God's word. And you need to begin to meditate on the promises of what God has said. The second thing that Sarah understood in the waiting was not just the promise of faith. She understood the person of faith. In other words, it's not just about what God has said. It's about what God has done. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 11, that Sarah considered him faithful who had promised. Now, how many of you have ever been promised to the moon and then somebody fell short of it? Listen, a promise is only as good as the promise maker. And if Sarah hadn't known God, she would not have considered his promise valid. She would not have considered this promise good. But this is the type of faith that, <clears throat> that deals with the person of God. That's what kind of faith you need. The kind of faith that can not just listen to what God has said, but can look back on what God has done and recognize that He is faithful. He who promised is Himself faithful. God is faithful in your life. You might be in a place like her where you feel like, you know what, it's out of my control. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I'm worshiping God. I'm walking with God in discipleship. I'm witnessing to God when the opportunity comes. I'm even volunteering and serving. I'm working for God. But I'm just waiting. What do I do in the waiting? You hold on to the person of God and the promise of God. And you go right back to worshiping. Because God is always worthy of our praise. Don't waste the waiting. Go right back to worshiping God in your waiting season. And He will be faithful to His promises in your life. <clears throat> now, I've been praying for you this week. And what I sensed in my heart is that on this first Sunday of 2018, there are some of you that know you need a plan. You need a new pattern. There's some things in your life that need to be adjusted. And maybe it's because of the, the calendar and the new year and resolutions and all of that. But I'm going to give credit to the Holy Spirit. He's been speaking to you. And you know in January some things have to change in your life. I'm going to tell you again. It begins with worship. That's where faith starts. Not with saying, God, if you'll help me with this. If you'll fix that. No. It begins with acknowledging that He's everything and you're nothing. And without Him, you're hopeless. 
And so you come empty-handed, but you lift those hands. And you say, God, I worship you. I recognize you. I acknowledge you. You're the Lord. And I submit my agenda and my will and my desires and my plans to you. Take charge. Take over. I worship you. If you're here today and you came to this service knowing you need a new plan, you need a new pattern, I want to pray for you. I want to do it right now. I want to ask you to bow your head with me, everyone, and close your eyes. And if that's you and you you say, that's the reason I came today, I need God to, to save me. I need to begin to walk by faith. In this moment, you need to surrender your life to Jesus, to ask Him to be Lord. And I'm going to pray a prayer of faith right now, asking Him to do that. And if that's you today and you say, I, I need salvation, I need Jesus to work in my life, I want you to pray the prayer with me. I want you to pray it out loud. I want you to pray it from your heart. And this whole church is going to pray it with you. We're going to believe together that God is going to set your feet on the right path. That you're going to fulfill the plan and purpose he has for you. And it's going to start right now. If that's you and God's speaking to your heart and you want to pray that prayer. I want to ask you to raise your hand right where you're sitting. Just raise your hand high. Say, that's me. Pastor Aaron, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You would say, that's me. I'm joining with these others that have raised their hand and say, today is a new day. Not because I've got good intentions, not because I'm going to try harder, I'm going to be better, but because I acknowledge that without Jesus, I'm nothing. Today, I come humbly and open and empty-handed to worship Him as Lord and Savior of my life. Praise God. You can put your hand down. Pray this prayer out loud. Church, pray it with them. Dear God, come on, all together. Dear God, I need a savior. I need a rescuer to deliver me from sin. Thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus to be my savior. I put my faith today in that work that Jesus did on the cross. The penalty for my sin was paid in full. New life can be mine today. I receive it. I am a new creation. Today is a new day. I have a new life. It's in Christ Jesus. I worship you today as Savior and as the leader of my life. Take control in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to ask every one of you to stand to your feet with me today. And can we just give God praise because he's still doing miracles and he's still saving lives. Can we thank God today for the work that he's doing? Come on, some of you are clapping like you forgot how good God is. Amen. 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 Now, I want to pray again before we dismiss this service. And I just want to challenge every one of us, every one of us, myself included, let's take another step. Let's take another step in the pattern of faith. 
I trust that everybody within the sound of my voice is saved. You're a worshiper. You got a relationship with Jesus and your heart's desire is to please him first. But some of you, it's a weekend experience. You haven't been walking with God daily. We're doing something this week, starting today. We do this every year. We're calling this our week of prayer to kick off the year. From Sunday to Saturday, every day we're going to have a prayer emphasis. And if you follow the church on any social media platform, you'll see those prayer prompts posted every morning. Today's has already been posted. The prayers come out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Every day we're going to be praying a portion of that prayer. For some of you, the walk is going to be just by starting the daily discipline of prayer. To say every day this week, I'm going to join with the church and I'm going to pray. I'm going to challenge you to take it a step farther. We're going to have a special prayer gathering on Monday night, on Wednesday night, and on Friday night from 7 to 8 o'clock. If you can break away from your normal schedule... I want to challenge you to carve out some time, one hour or all three, to come Monday night, Wednesday night, and Friday night, and say from 7 to 8, I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to walk with God. And for some of you, that next step, that's not a problem for you. You've got a great relationship with Jesus, but you're living for Jesus incognito. You're, you're like a secret agent Christian. Nobody knows about it. He's calling you to be a witness. It's calling you to be a voice to the culture. It's calling you to be like Noah and to proclaim his promises until they're fulfilled. You need to be a witness this week. And for some of you, the next step is work. You hear us talk about serving all the time, but you've never gotten involved. You're a Christian spectator. And this is your year to be a Christian participant. To acknowledge the fact that God doesn't just gift some of us. There's no first string and second string in the kingdom of God. You have gifts. You have abilities. You have talents. You have as much time as any one of us. And God's calling you to take a step of faith. Put your hands to the plow and begin to work for His kingdom and for His glory. Take a step this week. Take a step this week. Father, today, I pray for your people. God, that we would begin to walk in obedience to your will and to your ways. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. And so, Lord God, today, challenge us to take another step. And for those that are in the waiting, for those that are holding out hope, God, by faith, we double back to worship. And we lift our hearts and our hands to you again. Lord, we're not going to grow weary in well-doing. Because we do believe your promise that says in due time, we'll, we will reap a harvest if we faint not. So God, we trust you, even in the waiting. God, show yourself powerful on behalf of your people. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 God bless you today. Love one another as you leave. Happy New Year.